0: Okay. Now, uh, I I noticed, but Jim also noticed, uh, we forgot to dismiss any kids, so if there are any kids that did not leave yet, you are dismissed. Uh, I think I saw them sneak out with Emily, so I think we're okay. Oops. If I can get this sorted out, we'll start in just a second here. Ah, there we go. Okay. Well, good morning again. Uh, so this is it. This is the uh, the last one. This is the last Sunday of 2019. Um, starting in a few days, we will stop writing 2019 and we will start writing 2020. But probably more accurately, we will still write 2019, and we will desperately try to cross out the one nine and make it look like a two zero because. I don't know about you, but it usually takes me a few weeks to remember that the year has changed, and so I need to change what year I'm writing down. Uh, As it's the end of the year, I'm sure many of us have started, or already have, made our New Year's resolutions. Has anyone started uh, some New Year's resolutions? anyone started, like, they know what they're going to do for their New Year's resolutions? I'm the only one who made... Okay, good, Gail. Gail and I are the only ones with New Year's resolutions. Um, I I bet you we all have... New Year's resolutions, or perhaps things that maybe unconsciously we have thought, you know what, in the new year, I'm going to try this. Uh, I'm going to do this thing. And I was curious, since many of us, probably at some point in our life, have done New Year's resolutions, I wanted to find out what the most popular New Year's resolutions were. Year after year, I wanted to find out what the most popular ones were. And so what I did was I went on the internet where you can find everything. And on the internet, I found out what the most popular New Year's resolutions were. And year after year, they actually don't change. They're the same every year. They're honestly pretty predictable. uh, And I figured that what we could do is we could see if we can guess all of them. So I have a list here of the top 10 New Year's resolutions. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn it over to you. So if you think you know one, just shout it out. And if I hear it, I'll uncover it. So go ahead. Lose weight, I knew that was gonna be number one. Lose weight is right there, it's number two. Now there is one that is closely related to lose weight that is also on there. Go to the gym, work out, exercise more, that is number one. Number one and number two are pretty similar. What else do we have? There's eight more. Go to church, Go to church. that is not on the list. But, but it should be. I think I heard one over here. Someone yelled it. Quit smoking. Quit smoking. I believe that is... Nope. I don't want anyone to see here. There it is. Number seven. Quit smoking. That's on there every single year. What else do we have? Spend time with family. More time with family and friends is number eight. More time... Eat healthier is not. That is not on the list, unfortunately. Sa- save money. Sa- save money is on there. I think it's number six. Yep. They say save more money, but also spend less money. And then I heard one here. What did you say there, Don? Slow down. So, this idea of live life properly or live life to the fullest, really enjoy your life. That's on there as number five. So, we've got four more there. Four more. Learn a new skill or hobby. That is also on there. That's number four. A new skill or a new hobby this year. Get out of debt, that's under save money, so that's under there. Yeah. Travel more, travel more is on there. Travel more is on there. So we have two left. No, there's no prize. (laughs) <laughs> we can get you one though, Jane, if you want, just for playing. Jane can get a prize. Two more. Two. Quit smoking. We already got it on there. We did. It's on there. Two more. Two. Two. Well, that's on there, kind of twice. Under exercise, go to the gym, lose weight. One has to do perhaps with um, education or books or read more. Yeah, read more is on there. Everyone says they're going to read more. Last year, I wrote a list of uh, all the books I was going to read in 2019, uh, and I read two books on the list. I read like 50 that were not on the list, but uh, my list, I'm just going to cross out the one nine and put a two zero on it, keep it the same. So we've got one more, one more. And this one was honestly one I didn't think of and I couldn't think of. No, no, good one. No, that's a good one. Give up drinking, not on there. I was shocked that wasn't on there. This one is Get Organized. Get Organized was on there. And I didn't think that was going to be on there, but Get Organized takes the number three spot. These are the top ten New Year's resolutions every year. They don't change. They are also the top ten most broken New Year's resolutions (laughs) because every year we make them year after year. Now, Show of hands, if any of the things we said at some point in your life was on your news resolution list, at some point one of these things was on your list, I think most of us, that's pretty fair, and most of us resolve to do new things in the new year. It's like this idea of, well, I'm not going to start going to the gym in December when January is right around the corner, uh, and I can wait and go then with everyone else. It's this idea that at the end of the year, it's almost like a process of self-reflection, we look back at ourselves and our life, perhaps our year and how things turned out, and we go, hmm, you know what, maybe next time I'll try something different. You know, next time we revolve around the sun, I want it to look a little bit different for me. It's a common thing that I think many of us do. And if we don't write it out, we probably do it uh, subconsciously. We probably do it inside of our heads and just think, you know what, starting the new year, I'm going to read a book every month. Or starting the new year, I'm going I'm to journal and I'm going to write in my diary more often. Would it surprise you to know that in Scripture, Paul has something very applicable to say about this concept of New Year's resolutions? We're going to look at Paul's letter to the Philippians. We're going to look at chapter 3, verses 13 to chapter 4, verse 1. Now, to be fair, he's not exactly talking about New Year's resolutions here, but nonetheless, it's really, really applicable. And so it says, Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Jesus Christ. Let those of us, then, who are mature be of the same mind. And if you think differently about anything, this, too, God will will reveal to you. Only let us hold fast to what we have attained. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. I have often told you of them, and now I tell you even with tears, their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and their glory is their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and it is from there that we are expecting a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humiliation that it may, be, it may be conformed to the body of his glory by the power that also enables him to make all things subject to himself. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and I long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. From a reading of that, there are three principles I want to look out. There's three things that I kind of want to pull out and point out that we can apply to our New Year's outlook um, or our way of entering into 2020. Or perhaps I can say we can use these three resolutions to have 2020 vision. Come on, that was pretty good. <laughs> I wrote that down last night and I chuckled about it. thought, yes, I'm going to add that in there. Uh, I can't resist and I put a few more 2020 jokes in there, so be prepared. The first thing we see in this section of Scripture is where Paul says, forgetting what lies behind. It's verse 13. He says, "I forget what lies behind." Now, this might seem simple, but it actually means there's two areas that we forget what lies behind. There are two areas of our life, or perhaps of our year, that we need to forget what lays behind. First, it means we forget the bad, but second, it means we forget the good. And I'm going to explain that. So the bad, We leave behind the bad things that happened this year This year. We leave behind our failures. We leave behind the times we messed up. We leave behind the mistakes we've made, the errors we've made. We leave behind those things and we forget those things. We also leave behind the hurts that came in 2019 or the pain that came in 2019. As a church, we had a lot of hurts come about in 2019. We were not immune to hurt and pain. But in 2019 is where those things will stay. That's where they belong. As individuals, I'm sure we experienced pain this year. I'm sure many of us experienced hurt or loss. And again, we leave that in 2019. We forget all of those things, those labels, those things that try to tell us how we should be. We leave it all in 2019. We don't bring that garbage into the new year with us. We don't bring that garbage into 2020. We leave it here in the past where it belongs. We leave the hurts here, the pain here, all the bad, and we choose not to hold on to that and not to carry it with us into the new year. We leave our disappointments here. I'm sure there are things that we were waiting and wishing and hoping for in 2019. Perhaps it was a promotion. Perhaps it was a job change. Perhaps it was a move or a new life change perhaps a school honor you were looking for, perhaps a new family joy, perhaps a marriage, or even just a girlfriend or a boyfriend. We leave our disappointments here. We also leave behind our stupid decisions. I'm sure we've all made some dumb decisions this year. Perhaps I made a lot more than the rest of you, but we leave behind our stupid decisions, and we forget those in 2019. So we can leave it all here. We can choose not to bring that stuff into the new year with us. I'm sure we all experienced bad things this year, and so we choose to leave it here. We choose to forget it and move into the new year. But along with the bad we leave in 2019, we also leave behind the good. We also leave behind the blessings or the achievements. Now, I'm not saying we forget those and pretend they didn't happen, but I am saying we leave them in 2019 and forget them there. I'm going to explain what that means. What it means is I'm sure we all had amazing things happen in our personal lives this year. I'm sure all of us in a year had at least one thing that we counted as a blessing or an achievement or something that we were joyful that happened. I can think of a few in my own life, and one of them is sitting in the front row with a ring on her finger now. We had some amazing moments in our church this year. As a church body, as a family, we had some amazing things happen. We had some amazing people visit. We had Compassion come with us and we sponsored 40 kids. We had Teen Challenge come. We had the Kiwanis Boys Choir come and share. We had some amazing people come and visit. And we also had some amazing events. We had the Easter egg hunt that despite terrible weather, we still had over 100 people show up. We had the Fall Festival where 250 people came to our church parking lot. We had things like the VBS group that happened every year and it's always a joy. We also saw other blessings our podcast is listened to around the world. In fact, actually, I should say hello to Daniel Ayim, who is right now in Ghana and listens every single week to our podcast. So hello, Daniel. Our podcast is an exciting thing. We have many exciting things happen this year. We had some amazing achievements financially. We had a great year as a church together in 2019, and it was a great year. Now, I'm not saying we forget all those good things. I'm not saying we forget those blessings and pretend they didn't happen. But I am saying is that we leave them in 2019. And what I mean is that those things happened in 2019. And while they were amazing and they were wonderful and they were blessings indeed, if we simply stare longingly back at those things and we'll say, wow, what a great time those were, we will miss all the things happening right in front of us in 2020. If we're so busy looking back at 2019 and remembering those blessings, and remembering all that joy, we're going to miss out on all the blessings that are happening in the present. We're running many of those same events this year. Many of the same events. We're going to see VBS again, and we're going to see the Easter egg hunt and the fall festival. We're going to see those events again. But we don't want to do them the exact same way. We don't want to simply imitate and copy exactly what happened last year, because what's the point of doing the exact same thing year after year? That leaves no room for improvement, or it leaves no room to make things better. What would be the point of just doing the exact same thing, hoping for the exact same outcome? But instead, we leave what happened in 2019 there, and we build on that for this year. We build on that and make improvements, try to make things bigger or better, and reach more people in 2020. Those blessings, those achievements in our life as individuals and as a church are wonderful. And we celebrate those things with joy. But we don't live in the past. We live in the present. Instead, we look forward to what will happen in 2020 and the blessings and achievements that God will enact here. The second thing that we can do for our New Year's resolutions is we can press on towards the goal. The end of verse 13 and verse 14 says, straining towards, or sorry, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal. So we've already forgotten what lay behind us. We forgot what happened already. We're going to leave it where it happened. And then we strain forward. And I love the imagery that comes with the word strain. We strain forward to what lays ahead. It gives this image of pressing forward with all that we have, pressing forward against things trying to hold us back. It gives this image of us giving it everything we've got. See, it's different than simply turning and facing towards a new goal and leisurely walking there. Paul could have said that, but he doesn't. He says, I strain forward. I press on. It implies that what may happen may not be easy. It implies that it is going to be work to reach that goal. And I love that because it's true for us now. We press on. We strain on towards the goal or the prize. Now, see, I think some churches have a misconception around ministry. And I'm not going to say our church, but I think some churches and some people have a misconception around ministry or the word ministry and who it is that does the ministry. Churches will sometimes let their pastor go because the ministry isn't working. No new people are coming, or perhaps what they're trying isn't working, or for whatever reason. So they let their pastor go, and they think, sorry, the ministry is no longer working with you. And so they hire a new pastor, and they think, this is the person. This is the guy or the girl that is going to be the one that changes our church. This will be the person that gets our ministry going. See, that puts a lot of weight and a lot of pressure on one person to do the work of many people. Because we're all called to be ministers. We are all called to do ministry. Each and every person here is called to be a part of the ministry that is happening. It's not just the paid staff or the people on the boards or the people on committees that are asked and called to do ministry, but we are all called to do ministry. We are all called to be ministering all the time. Imagine if we were all in a big boat, like a a, a big Viking boat. Now, we're in this big Viking boat, and only one person has a paddle. That's a big Viking boat. Only one person in the ship has a paddle. And everyone else says, this is the paddler. This is the person that will get us to where we need to go. This person is strong. Look at how big their muscles are. They're going to get us where we need to go. And everyone else sits patiently in that boat and is very nice and courteous and they're there and they're present and they're just waiting for this person to paddle them to where they need to go. Well, eventually that person is going to tire. Eventually the paddler is going to slow down. Eventually the people will see, well, you know what? The boat has not gone very far under this paddler. You know, he or she has not taken us very far and they've been paddling for quite a long time. I don't think they're a very good paddler. I think what we need is a different paddler. We need someone new, someone fresh, a younger person with bigger muscles, and they can see where we're going to go, and they'll take us there. So they let this person go overboard, and they hire a new paddler. And see, if that's how we ran a ship, it would not be a very good ship. We would all get not very far if that's how we sat in a ship together. But that's how some churches operate, that's how some people see ministry. But we all have to paddle. We all have to work if we want to go somewhere. We all have to be doing ministry. God has equipped each person here in this room with a unique set of gifts and skills for you to use in ministry. He didn't leave anyone out. He didn't equip some of us and think, well, you know what? Jim doesn't really have any skills, but everyone else has skills. So, Jim, you just show up. That's not what happened. God gave everyone skills. And to each one of you, he says, use these my ministry. And that's how we have to do it. We all have to be talking to our friends and our family about Jesus, about grace, about hope and love. We all have to be praying for them. We all have to be praying for newcomers, for visitors. We all have to be praying for people to experience Jesus. We strain to do this work together as a group, as a family, as a community. We all want to see the world get to know Jesus. We all want to see that happen. We want Cambridge to know Jesus. We want our neighborhood to know Jesus. We want our family and our friends to know and experience Jesus. We want their lives to be changed by his love and his grace and his hope. But that means we must all strain towards that goal together. We must all press on together towards that prize. Working together means we all lift, we all paddle, we all do ministry. But it also means that we all have to be heading in the same direction while we're working. We all have to be aimed at that same goal. If we gave everyone in that ship a bunch of paddles and we said, all right, everyone decide where you want to go and start paddling, we wouldn't go very far. We'd all be paddling in different directions. If the board of missions has one goal and one agenda, and the deacons has another goal and another agenda, and the youth group a third, and Pastor Zach has his own, and I have my own, and we all have our own goals and our own agendas, we're all going to be working against one another. We're not going to be working very well together. It's like if we're all paddling in different directions. Has anyone ever canoed? I, I love canoeing. I have canoed my whole life, and I love canoeing. There's just something peaceful about being in a canoe and paddling. Now, powerboats are pretty cool too, and uh, I, I've been in a few powerboats, and it's great to go pretty fast in the water, but there's something peaceful about canoeing. Now, if you ever canoed, you know that you generally will have two or three people in a canoe. And the person in the back of the canoe, the stern, they're the one who steers. That's the person who controls where this canoe is going to go. The person in the back uses several different types of strokes as they're paddling to determine which direction this canoe will go. However, there are several strokes that the person in the front of the canoe can use to steer. There are strokes that the person on the very front of the canoe can actually use to determine direction. When I go whitewater canoeing, which I have done quite often, when I go whitewater canoeing, the person in the front actually has to help steer. Because you're going so fast along those waters, if you see a rock, it's no good to just yell back to Jim in the back and say, hey Jim, look out for that rock over there, because you'll have hit it already, and you'll have capsized. So you need to be able to steer from the front as well as from the back. But see, the thing is, the people in the front and the back work together. When the person in the back sees the person in the front using steering strokes, they work with them, in conjunction with them. They don't fight them and say, well, you want it to go left, but I'm going to take us right. They work together. The canoe will go nowhere if we decide we all want to paddle on our own. The ship won't move if we all think, I'm going to paddle in this direction by myself. Perhaps instead of going anywhere, the canoe will just simply sit. Or perhaps instead of going anywhere, we'll just give up paddling and start to fight with one another as happens in churches. Or perhaps, instead of going anywhere, the canoe will actually sink, and the canoe will no longer exist. We as a church, as a community of believers, as family, we all have to be aiming and paddling towards the same goal. We all have to be headed in the same direction. Now, this year, we're doing something that we have not done in a few years, uh, perhaps many years. This year, we have a theme for the year, a verse for the year, a verse and a theme which will remind us of our goal, which will put us all on the same path, which will aim us all towards the same prize. Everything we do this year, we're going to evaluate and measure by how does this line up with our goal? How does this line up with our direction? Everything we do in 2020 will be done in light of this theme. I'm going to preach on all the implications of this theme next week. But for now, I just wanted to introduce it to you. For now, I just want to introduce the theme to you so that you can pray on it. This banner is going to be hung up in our sanctuary. It's going to be hung up this year on one of the walls. On this banner, it says, we are sent as witnesses. That's our theme for the year. Our theme is we are sent as witnesses. Now, there's a lot of implications and things that that means, and so I'm going to break that down for us next week and explain it bit by bit, but for now, all you need to know is that it means we. It means all of us. You and me, each person in this room, we are all sent, and sent means we don't just sit here. It means we go. It means we go out there and we do something, and that verse is 2 Corinthians 5.20, and that verse talks about we are ambassadors for Christ Jesus, and it says, so I entreat you to be reconciled to God. Now, I'm going to preach on that next year, but I just wanted to introduce that to you so that between now and January 1st, take a minute, take a couple days, or take an hour, flip open your Bible to that passage. Give it a read-through. Give a read-through of 2 Corinthians 5.20 and see what does that mean and what is that saying to you, because that's going to be our guiding direction for the next year. That's going to be where we aim, and that's going to be where we focus. So pray over that. Pray over that theme. Think about that theme, and because next year or next week, we're going to break it down a little bit. But that is our goal. So we've forgotten what lays behind, and together, unified as one body, we are going to strain on. We are going to work and press on towards the goal. So finally, we have to figure out how we do that. How do we press on? How do we strain? How do we forget what lays behind? Well, chapter 4, verse 1 says exactly how. It says, we stand firm in the Lord. It says we stand firm. Standing firm in the Lord is how we forget what lays behind us. Standing firm in the Lord is how we strain on. When I think of this image of straining, I think of a big football player, and maybe perhaps a lineman, and where they're pressing against one another. Now I think of a a big old lineman, perhaps a three hundred pound guy, and another big old lineman, another three hundred pound guy, and they're both pushing against each other really hard. And how they don't move, or whoever doesn't move, is the one who stands firm. The one who is most firmly planted down is the one who won't be moved. That's the one who will stand. So we stand firm in the Lord. That's how we forget. That's how we press on. We stand our ground like soldiers unwavering. Have you ever heard about the tomb of the unknown soldier in Arlington? If you have heard, you'll already know this, but if you haven't heard, there's a tomb of the unknown soldier in Arlington. It's guarded 24 hours a day. It's guarded 365 days a year. It's the highest honor you can earn is to guard this tomb. In any weather, they will guard this tomb. They guard in 24-hour shifts. So between six guards, so perhaps myself and five others, we would guard for 24 hours straight. We would rotate in those 24 hours, but we would be on guard for 24 hours straight. And then when we're off, we don't go home. We actually live below the tomb in the barracks. There's a barracks below, and we would live below. And while we're down there, we would train, we would prep, we would make our uniform, nice, shine our shoes, and get ready to be on guard again. There have been times where the soldiers have actually been permitted to leave the guard station uh, during their shifts. And that's during extreme weather. So during perhaps snowstorms or hurricanes or other extreme weather situations, they have been permitted to leave. The, the, the person in charge has said, you, you, can, you can go. You don't have to stay during this. And they rarely have ever left. They don't often choose to not guard. During Hurricane Sandy actually one soldier guarded the tomb by himself for 23 hours straight. Now you see the mat that the uh, the middle guard is standing on. That's what they walk back and forth along. There's a mat there and they just walk back and forth. And so this guard walked back and forth and stood at attention for 23 hours straight. Because he stood firm in what he believed. That's standing firm. That is unwavering. The reason they stand firm is because they have such a secure and strong foundation for why they believe it is important for what they do. The soldiers believe in what they do, and they respect and show honor to this great tradition. It's something they feel very proud to do. Like a building, these soldiers have a strong foundation. We know that in building a house or in building a church or a home or any building, the first step is to build the foundation. And if you want the building to stand, you have to have a good foundation. If you want the building to collapse, then don't put a foundation in. Everything else in the home rests upon the foundation. If you don't have a firm foundation, your building will crumble. So if we want to stand firm in the Lord so that we can forget what lays behind and straight on to what lays ahead, we stand firm in the Lord with a strong foundation built upon a relationship with Jesus Christ. Our foundation is Jesus. Our cornerstone is Jesus. He's the first building block. Jesus is our foundation, and we strengthen that foundation by investing in that relationship with him. We spend time with him. We build upon that foundation by spending time in prayer. We build upon that foundation by spending time reading the word, reading the Bible, listening to Jesus in conversation with him, spending time together in worship, We spend time perhaps fasting or giving or serving. We're gonna hear a little bit more about building our foundation in the coming weeks because January in the life of this church is gonna be a month of prayer. As a community, January will be a prayer month. We're gonna have several times a week where we will meet in this building to pray together. It'll be invited to anyone who would like to attend and if it's just myself, then that's okay too. But anyone who would like to attend several times a week, we will have a prayer time. We'll have prayer lists that we give out. These prayer lists will be both things to pray for and new ways of trying to pray, new styles of prayer, new prayers to try out. We will even have new prayers in church on a Sunday. Zach is gonna lead us through some different styles of prayer as part of our worship service. And last, the very last Friday of January, we're gonna spend 24 hours in prayer together as a church. We're gonna spend 24 hours praying. We'll have someone in this building praying for all of those 24 hours. And I'm gonna give more details about what all of that looks like in the coming weeks. Uh, So next Sunday, you'll have a bit more information about it, and I'll give a bit more uh, explanation. But for now, it's enough to know that we start 2020 with prayer. We start 2020 by building on our firm foundation. If we have a strong foundation, then we will be able to stand firm. We'll be able to stay focused and not waver. Like the soldiers, the tomb of the unknown soldier, we can weather the storm and we will strain on towards our goal. So this year, 2020, let's make some resolutions together as a church. Let's resolve to make this theme our goal. Let's resolve to make this church focused in the same direction. Let's resolve to forget the failures and the hurts of 2019 and leave them there. Let's resolve to strain on towards the future, to press on towards the goal, together as a community of believers, all working together at the same time towards the same goal. Let's resolve to change this city through the love of Jesus Christ. Let's resolve to do this by standing firm in the Lord, spending time in worship, giving, serving, fasting, praying, communing together. Let's have 2020 vision together. Let's resolve to change this city of Cambridge. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the blessings of 2019. And Lord, we also thank you for the hurts. Father, they brought us to where we needed to be. Lord, we know that your purpose, your plans are unfolding here at Avenue Road. And God, we are so excited to be a part of it. Lord, we are blessed to be a part of what you are doing here in the city of Cambridge, in this community, in this neighborhood, through the people here. Lord, thank you for the honor of being part of what you are doing, the work you are doing. And Lord, in the coming year, you know exactly what it holds. You know the blessings and the achievements, and you know the failures and the hurts. Lord, we offer this year to you. Lord, may the next year of our life be in service of you. May it all be done, everything we do for your glory. May it all be to uplift your name and worship your name. Father, may it not be done for our glory. Lord, we thank you that we can come alongside what you will do in this neighborhood. We pray all this in your name, amen.